Tom was, first of all, the sweetest, gentlest soul. I mean, he was um, one of the funniest people I've ever known. There's only a few people who I feel like, boy, I share my sense of humor with to the core. You know what I mean? And Tom was wildly irreverent, like crazy friggin', like you wouldn't believe. I, I, I feel like I, there's not many stories I can tell that would be appropriate. Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. This is Dr. John Duffy. I am your host. Um, in putting this podcast together, um, the idea's always been, hey, let's get together. I'll have a guest come in. He or she will share some important part of their story, and we were going to lift taboos, and you know, we will all experience less undue anxiety. And, and, and so far, um, I am so um, proud of my guests for being um, so vigilant about telling their stories accurately and being so open in sharing their stories. Um, it, it's been a, a humbling, awesome journey so far for me. Um, and it would be I suppose disingenuous in some way if um, if I weren't willing to share part of my journey as well. And so, in that spirit, um, I have my wife with me here today. Hi, Julie. Hi. This is the first time that Julie has been um, on the Undo Anxiety pro podcast, and that's kind of fun. Um, today is also December 9th, twenty sixteen. December ninth. Um, is probably meaningless to most of you, um, but it is the oddest date in the Duffy family calendar. Um, 15 years ago today, um, at 11 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> my, my younger brother um, took his life. Um, Tom died December 9th, 2001. Um, it was... It was weird. It was um, um, three months after 9-11, and um, the dust was just kind of settling there, and, um, and a bunch of circumstances drove the idea that I suspected, knowing Tom. Tom's my younger brother by two and a half years, almost to the day, and, um, and I had this feeling that that something was going to happen, that, that Tom's life was, was going to be short and was going to end then. And, um, and the oddest thing about those days was that, that it did, um, you know, um, because he had, um, he had attempted suicide in the same way about a dozen years before um, and, and did not pass away then. And so... Um, it was something I, I feared my whole life, and then it finally happened, and it was just, you know, almost kind of head-turning, like, huh, well, that happened. Now what? You know, what happens when, when the thing you fear most actually happens? But um, I want to spend at least part of this time talking about, about that, you know, about um, that. And I want to talk about Tom, too, but one quick note about the date. Um, so Julie and I were just talking, and you were saying that you, you don't always know December 9th. Is uh, yeah, I, I, I never remember until I take note of the, the you're not feeling great or you don't, you know, seem a little off. And then I remember, 
But yeah, we were bringing in 15 years ago, we were bringing in our Christmas tree yeah. when we found out. Yeah. And, um, and it was fortuitous enough that um, we had my mother with me, which um, we normally crazy. wouldn't. Yeah, that was but, you know, really like just, just, it was probably really so good that she was with family when she found out. And, um, and that's when my sister calls and she never calls and we knew something was wrong. And, um, and, and she, she told me the news and, and it's, it's a moment I will never forget, but you know, um, I always can feel, um, when this time of year is coming and, um, we were just talking about like what that's driven by. Is it the calendar? Is it the weather? Is it, um, just a vibe. And I get this vibe. I say, I think about Tom this time of year. And, um, and for those of you who have lost somebody, a family member or a friend to suicide, we all run this risk of defining that person by that last moment of their life or that last day or week or month or whatever. And, um, and so in, in memory of my, my younger brother, Tom, um, I'm going to, tell you a few things about him, just so you kind of know Tom a little bit. So Tom was, um, Tom was, first of all, the sweetest, gentlest soul. I mean, he was um, one of the funniest people I've ever known. There's only a few people who I feel like, boy, I share my sense of humor with to the core, you know what I mean? And Tom was wildly irreverent, like, crazy friggin' like you wouldn't believe I I, I feel like I, there's not many stories I can tell that would be appropriate um, but he just he cracked me up and I and I like to think I cracked him up um, like you know like nobody's business like you know like um, and you know and it feels like something genetic almost like I, the, the the comedic humorous vibe I had with him what I didn't share with him was talent. Um, Tom was an artist, but like Julie, you're an artist and, um, yet your work looks a little different than Tom's. (laughs) Um, Tom typically worked in black and white. Um, and he had this magical, deep, dark, long, drawn, (laughs) um, smoky, uh, intense, beautiful art and and I've never ever seen anything like it in my life and and I, I and I'm not just saying that because that's my dead brother who, who created the art right I mean you've seen some of his work right yeah in in but now Claire his daughter her art is very similar actually yeah yeah and it's kind of like um it's dark and yet at, at times it's like comic and it's the kind of thing where you could stare at a piece. He would work in pencil, like on like he'll work in pencil on a sheet of typing paper, and you could stare at something for fifteen minutes, and then it's like, oh my God, there's Jesus's cross coming out from behind the McDonald's sign. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. That's brilliant, and it freaks me out and it scares me. You know, right? I yeah, mean, like, yeah. There's in in almost every piece, there's something that just like takes your breath away, and so. Tom, Tom was this like, Tom was this intense life force. And I, I call him, um, frequently the anti Duffy. Like we were all, um, I was telling somebody recently that, uh, we were intended to be, um, 
indoctrinated to be a primary color family, yeah. <laughs> you know, like so, and and most of us did did our we we fit in the in the slot we were supposed to fit in. And Tom, um, from the time he was a little kid, you know, he'd like dig into like some some of the weirdest like a movie like King Kong, and not the good one. Like there's a King Kong from 1933 that that's like this classic. And you know it's got Fay Ray in it, and you know Tom kind of kind of dug that movie. But then in 1976, some bush leaguer made another one with Jessica Lange in it and the World Trade Center, and that's the one Tom was all about. Like I mean, like all about, where he had binders full of shit about this movie. <laughs> he loved it so much, and you know, and I, I I saw that movie at least twice in theaters with Tom, and I I he went to see it. I, God knows how many times, you know, like he was, he would get these, these obsessions and that was one of them. Star Wars was one of them too, but that's, a lot of people have that. This like King Kong thing was, was just so aberrant and bizarre. And, um, and so by the time Tom was in his thirties, um, he had fallen in love. He, his beautiful wife, Lynn, um, you know, after, after so much pain and hardship, Tom falls in love and, and, uh, and then starts to like get serious about movies, and he starts reviewing movies. And he he ha- he wrote this book called "Kiss Me Orson," which is just this series of movie reviews that are also wildly funny and ridiculously irreverent. And um, you know, Ebert never gave more movies zero stars and said it was a piece of crap more than my brother Tom. <laughs> um, and so, like sometimes I'll dig that thing out um, just to look at it. Uh, Claire, who you talked about, is a twin, and, and uh, I took Claire and Rachel out to lunch, and we just talked about because they were so young; they were only they were not yet two oh. when Tom died. So they wanted to hear some stories about him, and one thing I told them was, you know, like he has this book, and you know, it's these movie reviews, and they knew all of them, and and his daughters kind of carrying on this legacy. They watch all these old movies, like old movies that Tom like would talk about and review and stuff, and you know, like. I don't even know if they're aware of how they're keeping like this legacy going, you know, like I, with Claire with her art and Claire and Rachel with their movies and stuff. And they're both funny and, you know, they, they, in their own ways, remind me of him, you know, it's, it's, that part's kind of cool. And, um, um, what else about Tom? Well, no, I was just thinking, so, you know, he had, had made a, an attempt, um, jumped from a parking garage when he was how old? 22. So when I met you, he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And um, so that's how I knew Tom. We went to visit Tom at a couple different places. Um, we went to visit him. He was in college for a while, University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. And <laughs> we're going to visit him there. Um, <laughs> and Tom, I, Tom was never, Tom was never a great student. And yet Tom was brilliant, but not in that kind of way yeah. that fit into any kind of frame that was ordinary. And, you know, so he was in college, but it wasn't, it didn't perfectly suit him. Yeah. And well, so, so he's in a wheelchair and I, I don't know if we didn't know it was a, it was a brainstem injury as opposed to a spinal injury. Um, and then I remember visiting him in Minneapolis. Um, and at first he was in this, um, excuse me, this facility called the Courage Center. I remember that. And a really great facility for brain injuries. And then he was in this really swinging downtown Minneapolis apartment. 
Um, but so now that's how I know Tom. I've, I've been to visit Tom many times. Tom's in a wheelchair. Tom's kind of ending up in these great places, um, for him, for his care. And, um, so the story is his girlfriend from high school got back in touch with him. Um, so at- she, she called my parents and, uh, and, um, said, you know, where's Tom? And, you know, and, and so she, you know, Tom's phone rings up in Minneapolis and Lynn from high school, you know, this babe from high school calls him and, um, so and- they're, so they're back in, no, just so they're back in touch. And, and now Tom has a, has a motivation to walk. Um, well, and, because and, Lynn's threatening to come up there. Well, <laughs> Lynn wants to see him, and Tom's like not really so self-effacing about the fact that he's in a chair. Well, and the truth is, we don't really know what was going through his mind. We also don't know if he was walking around when we weren't there, and then just getting in his chair. Well, I never we, thought about that. Yeah. You think he might have been walking? I mean, yeah. We there's so much we don't know, but here's what I do know: um, we knew he was back in touch with Lynn. The next time I saw Tom, it was Mother's Day. It was in Park Ridge, which is my where I grew up. And it, we were at your parents' house, and Tom and Lynn get out of a car and come. So here is Tom now walking down the street with this beautiful redhead. It and was just bizarre. It was mind it was, it was wild. Yeah, I remember. So so Tom was in a wheelchair from the time he was twenty two until about. He was about 28, I think, when he was finally out of the wheelchair. So the thing that struck me about that moment, I think you were struck by the fact that he was with this beautiful redhead. Well, and he was tall and walking. What, I, what <laughs> I'd forgotten was he was tall. Yeah, you know, oh, right, like that, right, that was, right, yeah. You know, so, so I remember standing next to him and thinking like, wow, man, you're huge. Like, I, you know, I picture you being three feet tall in, a weird, in the weirdest way. It was unnerving in a way to see him standing and walking. It felt surreal, you know, because if I'm being honest, you know, I, I never really pictured Tom would ever be that age. Even from, from the time we were really young, um, I, I never pictured that Tom would grow old. I don't know, you know, like he always seemed um, reckless and, and, um, and, you know, on the edge, like a guy who's living on the edge for a, a number of reasons. Part of it is I think that we... We as a family didn't do a great job of accepting who he was, so we tried to like mold him and change him and diagnose him and get him treatment instead of. And I think we just accepted like Tom's not a student; he's an artist, and we're going to be all about that. Yeah, then I think things might have worked out differently, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was amazing to see him then and and, and to to watch him in those years. I, I remember kind of almost every time we saw him and Tom. Tom looked like what you picture Jesus looking like. He was skinny. He had long-ass hair. Um, he, he, he was a cross between Jesus and John Lennon, right? I mean, like he had little round glasses. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and super long hair, like ponytail long. And, um, and super, super skinny. Um, and always a crazy good artist. And, um, and then he, he falls in love with Lynn. They get married. And, and a little bit of the... He's not quite as edgy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's really softened, and then they have these beautiful kids, and he starts writing stories about these twin baby girls, yep. and, you know, like he's gonna get these published and stuff, and uh, you know, and 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 the mythology that surrounds Tom, I I always fear is like, oh, Tom was an addict, and that was his problem. He was an addict, and you know, and I just think, um, 
I, I think Tom had a broken heart in a lot of ways, you know, like, um, and, and I think we're all accountable for that to some extent. I really do, you know, like, and I, I even take my share of that. Like, I remember feeling kind of elitist, like I was at Notre Dame and, you know, I, I felt like this big shot kind of, you know, and, and uh, but I remember coming home one time and Tom was like all dressed in black and stuff and kind of very emo and uh, he was partying and stuff. And I remember yelling at my parents, like, you know, literally like, kind of like, hey, I left you a perfectly good kid, like, you know, <laughs> three months ago. Now it's only Thanksgiving. What did you do to screw him up? You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, and, you know, he just kind of figured himself out, I think. And, you know, but I wanted him to be different. I wanted him to be like, he, you know, normal, you know, which is, you know, what he was was way better than normal. And I remember, um, I think this might be the most disjointed podcast ever, but uh, I, I can't tell. You know, it's a weird one. It's about you. I have yeah, to admit this, you yeah. know, but I remember when he uh, when he died, um, there was one of my favorite songs of my entire life, um, the whole time he was alive, is Vincent by, who is it? Um, who sings Vincent? Oh, who Sorry, it? Starry Night. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know why it's lost on me. Anyway, you guys know the song. Starry, starry night. Uh, it's about Vincent Van Gogh, and um, so it's about this artist. And there's a there's a line. Um, uh, I'm gonna see if I can get this line out without choking up. And the one line in the song is, "This world was never went. This world was never meant for one as beautiful as you." And I realized, ooh, this song's about Tom, man. This song is. Tom, Vincent is Tom, completely top to bottom, and you know, and like, and and then I look back on him as this beautiful comet that came through my life and and taught me, um, taught me that different is so much better than same, <laughs> and and um, inspired me, I think, almost unconsciously to um, to the work I do now, to working with kids and encouraging them to, to be themselves. And, you know, like, you know, if I, if I'm sitting across from a kid who's an artist, you can bet there's an element of projection there. Like, oh, please don't give that up. <laughs> don't be normal. Be you, you know, like live that life, man. Um, and I, and I think, you know, when, uh, on days like December 9th, that, that comes into clearer focus in my lens of awareness. And, um, and so like, I will forever be grateful to Tom for that. And that's his legacy, I think, in my life. And then every once in a while, the other part of his legacy to me is I just think of something or I see something that's funny. And I think, I can't I can't tell it to anybody, man. Like, there's nobody yeah. who's going to get it like he would have gotten it, you know? Um, Do you want to tell a couple score stories? Um about like funny stuff about like well yeah so I'm thinking about the time he showed up at your brother's office I don't know <laughs> all right all right so um, yeah here's this is this is a this is a pretty funny story so so um, I am an accountant my brother Mike is eight years older than I and he and Mike is a, a lawyer at the time and he's a relatively young lawyer because he went to school for three years I'm a uh, second year accountant. I'm working at a firm called Arthur Anderson. Um, I'm in a suit and tie and in a cubicle and busy. And, um, and my brother, Mike works about four blocks away, um, at, at his law firm. And Mike, um, is kind of a high strung dude. 
And he calls me uh, one time, and he says, uh, God damn it, Johnny. You've you got to get over here right now. Tom, Tom's over here, and he's hammered. He's, he's, he's out of his mind, you know? So, um, and, and I'm new at my job, and I'm like, you know, okay, what am I going to do, you know? So I keep my suit coat hanging on the back of my chair, and I'm like, uh, to the guy behind me, I'm like, hey, Jason, you know, I'll be back in a minute. Like, I got to go to the bathroom or something, you know? And I'm out the door. And I run down from down, you know, uh, uh, to LaSalle Street and up the stairs, you know, <laughs> into uh, into Mike's um, office. And this is, uh, let's see, this is probably uh, 1988 or so. So everything's on paper. And Mike, so Mike's office is filled with boxes of paper, like filled with boxes of paper. In the middle of it is Tom <laughs> sitting on this chair, like hunched over. I mean, hammered, like lit, like. Like he's like close to passing out. Yeah. And Mike's standing there like with his hands on his hips and his suspenders and his fit, big fat 80s tie. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping shit, you know? And, 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 you know, he's like, get him out of here, John. You know, like I got a deposition right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, I kind of like get Tom standing, you know, and he's making jokes and he's loose and, you know, and I, well, Mike and I are all stressed out. And Wait, why did he show up there? I can't remember. I, uh, I think he wanted money, oh, you yeah, know, probably. like or something. So um, Mike gives me like fifty bucks or something, you know, and I, I take Tom down to uh, a cab, and um, and there's there's this um, motel which is outside this. I have no idea. I can't remember why I took him to this motel, yeah. but I took him to this motel outside the city. Oh, I, I do on Lincoln why. or something. No, right? no, 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 oh, no. It was in Des Plaines. Oh, it, was, oh. it was near the very first McDonald's ever. In fact, it was right across the street, and it was kind of a. Uh, Oddly, I don't know why I took him there. I might have taken him there because he he'd been there before and he asked to go there. But it was uh, a place where like these drunks go, like to kind of dry out, and it's cheap. It's like nineteen bucks or something like that, you know, like to stay there for the night. So, so I basically like prop Tom in bed, it, it, you know, and I'm freaking out because I got to get back to work and Tom's hammered, you know, and I prop him up in a bed and I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, I'm going to go get you some food at the first McDonald's ever right across the street. And I go, I get him some food. I put the food down, you know, it's a bunch of food. And I'm, and I leave him with nothing, no money, no nothing, no keys to anything. I'm like, don't friggin' move. I will be back in four hours. You know, like, so I had to go back to work, make a showing, you know, like I got a cab, like waiting in front of this motel. I go back to work. I feign my way through the rest of the day. I drive back out to Tom in the motel, and Tom has a handle of vodka. And I'm like, you know, I told you not to move. And and how did you get that? And how did you get the handle <laughs> of vodka? I left you with nothing. And he had robbed – as far as he knew, he stole it from a liquor store. So there's a liquor store not that far away. But, you know, like, how does a guy who's hammered – like, I couldn't the, – the visual I still don't get, and even when he – Sobered up, he couldn't explain to me yeah. how he got that, but you know he had it. It was there, and it wasn't there when I left. Like he wasn't hiding the handle on me. Um, Resourceful. Yeah, I remember one time, <laughs> and he's listen. Tom wasn't drunk all the time, but one time, you know, um, Lynn called me and at, and said, you know, hey, Tom's not in a good way. You gotta take him. Can, do you mind coming and getting him, taking him to the to an ER? And you know, he has to be he has to be inpatient somewhere. So so I picked Tom up. I, leave, I have to leave work again. So I'm like literally here. I'm an intern, um, a psych intern at, at um, this this suburb in Chicago. And uh, 
And uh, I tell my boss, hey, I got to go, family emergency. You know, I drive to where, where Tom lives, and, and he's kind of st- stumbling around. And, uh, and I get him to the car, and he's like, you know, um, where are we going? We're, we're not going to a hospital, are we? I'm like, no, no, no. And, and then he puts his feet up on the, on the dashboard at one point. He's like, you know, we're plummeting, man. We're plummeting through the night. Can you just go slower? You know, he's freaking out. And, and then Tom and I, we get to this hospital, and the wait in the, uh, in the ER is nine hours. Oh, my God. So we were there until like four in the morning. And um, so Tom's sitting on a bed, and we're, like, joking and laughing, and somebody died while we <laughs> – I'd forgotten this, but somebody died while we were there. And Not for, for whatever reason, he and I couldn't stop laughing. Like, somebody died. There was this whole family, like – and they were loud, and we were, like – you know you know how, like, sometimes, like, you're in church in the front row or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was one of those things where – and we were just, like, laughing. And, um, and Tom had this IV – and he, um, so it was one of those IVs like that where the needles kind of affixed in your arm, and then he would unscrew the tube and let it just drip, so he could step out onto a loading dock and smoke cigarettes. Oh my god! <laughs> so every like twenty minutes, he'd take this IV out and go smoke cigarettes, <laughs> and then he'd come right back, like like you know, wait to go inpatient, you know. Um, but uh, you know, uh, those aren't the only memories. <laughs> <laughs> we're making him sound like just this mess, you know, like, and he wasn't always a, a mess. I mean, when we were little kids, I remember like we'd go downstairs to our basement on Saturday mornings. And I think our, the rule in our house was like, never, ever make any sound. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we would go downstairs with a box of cereal. And this is why I still eat dry cereal yeah. now, I think, because we would take like Cheerios, go downstairs. And Tom and I would sit side by side at my dad's desk which was a three-ton steel desk that I have no idea how it even got into the house, you know, like, and, um, and I would, you know, be like, let's say nine or 10 and I'd be drawing, like we draw. And so I would draw, like, I knew how to draw fire (laughs) because I, because I knew that, that I could use yellow and red and orange and I could make a fire. So I would draw that, a fire engine, very basic and rudimentary and, People, kind of. And I could do a, tr- a profile of a man's face that, that I can still do pretty well. Yes, you can. Yeah. Um, Tom could draw anything. Uh, and it, it would be, like, to scale and perfect. Like, I remember one morning he... So how old were you? Like, what do you... So if I, was, if I was nine, Tom was six and a half. Aww. And Tom would draw... Um, I remember one time I was drawing something. I think it was a fire engine. For some reason, I drew a lot of fire engines. And Tom drew... My hand drawing. Wow. And it was perfect. <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. And one time, our dog, Jason, was sitting next to us, and Tom painted Jason, and it looked not like just a schnauzer like Jason was. It looked like Jason. Wow. It looked like Jason's face. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he um, he was accurate in his things. And even then, he would draw, like, a... You know, he'd draw a man, like, sitting in a corner of a, of a barber shop smoking with, like, you know, uh, two-foot ash coming off the cigarette or something. You know, yeah. like, something really, like, bizarre. Um, so were your parents supportive, impressed with his art? I mean, what did they have to say about it? Or did it scare them? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think when he was really young, I think they 
he was he, his art fit in the in the lane well yeah. enough, you know. So so I remember like uh, <laughs> um, Tom would be. There was an art contest in Park Ridge every year, and Tom won it like oh. year after year after year. <laughs> like so, he was in a parade about oh. it. You know what I mean? Like so, I don't know if it was like Memorial Day or Labor Day or Fourth. I just remember that. Uh, I was never in a parade, you know. So I think it was like uh, at times I was jealous of Tom. Like you know, geez, Tom's in the friggin' parade. You know, like he's on a fire engine. That's probably why I was like, oh about yeah. That. <laughs> and um, and he was an athlete. Like he played football. Like I remember my mom would like the football coach. At my high school, asked me if I would play football. And I went home and told my mom, hey, I'm going to play football. And she said, no. Tom, play football. Like, he was on the football team. And he was, like, pretty good. You know, he was – Tom – you don't remember this, but Tom was built at one point. Like, when he was, like, young, like, before he was, like, 16 or so – he was in shape. Oh, I never – no, I never saw that. I've I've never seen a picture of him like that. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, there there was a period of time when he was an athlete. And then – he kind of went uh, uh, later in high school. He was like beloved, but like a partier, like you know, like. Um, but he also like uh, drew. He made the um, the comic strip for yeah. the high school, uh, uh, both for the yearbook and for the, the paper. weekly paper. It was called Strange Behavior, and he was he was sly man. Like he would sneak in there some like you know drug references and stuff, and that would like we had a really buttoned up principal like. I don't think anybody had any idea other than like some of his friends, you know, but, um, and it was also ridiculously funny. I mean, it was like, you know, the, the best thing you've ever seen in a high school newspaper, you know, like it, it was a better comic strip than Doonesbury. So did time. we have, did someone reach out to you about having copies of some of that? If anyone's listening who remembers strange behavior or has any copies of the, of those papers, some people have. Let us um, know. Yeah, a couple. Uh, I've had friends from high school like send me, uh, send me some strange behaviors um, from the years I wasn't there. So I was only there one year with him. I was a senior when he was a freshman. Um, but uh, one 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 regret I have about Tom is that he wasn't at our wedding. So and, and um, that that bums me out like to this day, and. Um, and our George, who's 21 now, was, let's see, six then when Tom died. And, um, and you know, my, I, I, uh, t- George didn't know my dad my, uh, very well. Uh, he was only three when my dad died. And um, when Tom died, he was six. And, and he, he'd only seen Tom a handful of times ever. So, you know, like he only really knows Tom through stories. And I think, uh, I think, though, they would have loved each other. Yeah. I mean, I think George would have loved his uncle Tom. And I think he would have thought, you know, if I didn't get that Tom was cool because of his art, George would have, (laughs) George would have gotten it before I did, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, when I, I guess what I, the, the point here is I wanted to share part of my story and Tom's story. Um, and just talk about him a little bit today. Yeah, Yeah. And just honor him and, and, uh, and, and give some dimension to his story just so it's not like, you know, because I, I, I have referred to him before on this podcast and too often it's like, you know, my brother who's dead or my brother who committed right, suicide right, or something, right. you know, and and, um, and no life is, is that one dimensional. And Tom had dimension, man. I mean, he was a character unlike any that has ever walked the earth. He really, he was, he was 
one of the most unique people. I wish I, I had appreciated it while he was alive, how wildly unique he was. And there's something about um, uh, his edginess that, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. And um, one of his early albums, er, early songs was called The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle. And Tom was the wild and the innocent somehow. Like he was, uh, there, there's something I admired always about like his willingness to, to, to step over lines and try new things. He, he took, he, he was a risk taker in his art. It was, you know, he couldn't stop himself. And, well, and it, one thing. And he like, was innocent. He was, he was just a loving man. And, yeah. And you and like, misunderstood, I, was, I think. Right. And I was going to say, this has been a little disjointed, um, just because we're reminiscing, but one thing we haven't talked about is, you know, when he did find Lynn again, they had an amazing love affair, an amazing relationship. He was an amazing husband. Um, and an amazing father. An, an amazing father. Yeah. Look, when, when the girls were babies, infants, he was the one who took care of them, and he was the one who was super comfortable with that. And so we're super grateful that he had that, respite that he had that time in his life where he found amazing love and and was able to have beautiful daughters and and feel that you know he kind of came uh, you know came back to life yeah because i feel i feel like for too much of his life tom was sad and and alone and um and it is heartening to think that you know in his in the last years of his life he he had joy you know what I mean? He knew yes. joy and he knew love and um, big love, big joy, and yeah. his and he always had it. He always had it, and it was always there to give. And finally, there was someone there to receive it. You know, so like Lynn, we're yeah, grateful, we're grateful to you Great for, forever. Yeah, and, grateful um, for Lynn, and and he has two beautiful daughters who, you know, honor and love him to this day. You know, through stories and um, his art that they still have and. So, yeah, so Tom lives on. Tom lives on. Yeah. Tom lives on. And, and, um, and Tom, Tom suffered way too much undue anxiety. He suffered more than his share. Um, so maybe part of the title of this thing is Tom's as well. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, thank you, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. Um, we're just honoring Tom Duffy today. And, um, and... Anybody who lost anybody too soon, I suppose, you know, maybe December 9th can be your day as well, yeah. right? Yep. Thank you Amen. for listening, folks. Um, as always, um, we appreciate your time. Um, it's fun to have you here for the first time, Julie. You're Thank coming you. back. <laughs> and um, and uh, this one was special for me. And, uh, and you made a, what's a weird, difficult day a little brighter feel a little less undue anxiety. So thank you for that. We'll talk to you next time. Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and gray Look out on a summer's day With eyes that know the darkness in my soul shadows on the hills sketch the trees and the daffodils catch the breeze and the winter chills in colors 
on the snowy linen land. Now I understand what you tried to say to me, how you suffered for your sanity. How you tried to set them free, they would not listen, they did not know how. Perhaps they'll listen now, for they could not love you. But still your love was true, and when there was no hope left in sight, on that starry, starry night, you took your life as lovers often do But I could have told you, Vincent This world was never meant for one as beautiful as you